Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of Slice of Healthcare. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Diane Miller, the CEO of Pedia LLC. Pedia is creating a pediatric device for the induction of anesthesia. We're super excited to have Diane on the show today. I, I spoke with her the other day and she's very energetic and very passionate about what she's doing. So without further ado, here's Diane. Diane, happy to have you. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. Hi, Diane. Uh, we're, we're really excited to have you on the show. Uh, I just gave the audience a little background on on just you coming on the show, and I, I think it'd be great now for you for us to segment into you telling us a little bit about your overall background, and we'll transition into how PDA LLC came about. Great. Okay. Well, first, I wanted to just say congratulations to you on a slice of healthcare as well. I think it's a fabulous idea to have people talking about all the cool stuff in healthcare. I do. I really can't wait to see all hear all the upcoming episodes. So, that said, I will tell you that I am a CRNA, a certified registered nurse anesthetist. That means I'm a nurse who who gives anesthesia, and I've been enjoying that career for about uh, two and a half decades. Um, and I'm a generalist, so I do everything. I do everything from big brain tumors to cataracts, and that includes uh, pediatrics. So um, now, I about three years ago, I met someone who my whole world. He changed my goals, my aspirations, inspirations. He really gave me new purpose. So because of him and all those like him, I'm here today with you as the inventor of the pediatric device for induction of anesthesia and the founder of uh, Pedia LLC. So that's how I came to be here today. Excellent. Well, thank you for that great uh, introduction and background on, on who you are. I'd really like to transition into talking about Pedia LLC. Like, where did you come up with this idea? How did it come about? Well, um, it's a how, but it's really more of a who, that person that I was telling you about. So one day I was in the operating room, walking down the corridor, just minding my own business on my way to the preoperative area. And um, I was in pediatrics that day, which I was excited about. I'm, I love pediatrics. I was very good at it. I'm kind of a child whisperer. And uh, so I get to pre-op and I get to my patient's room. And as I am crossing the threshold to the room, I hear this blood curdling scream. And it was my patient. Uh, there was this four-year-old standing in front of me, hand in front of his face, telling me to just back off. And he just kept screaming, no mask, no mask, no mask. So as I said, I'm a bit of a child whisperer. Uh, I can win just about any kid over, at least in the operating, in, in the pre-op area. But uh, Zeke, was in a class all by himself. Well, actually not by himself. There are a lot of little Zeeks running around. So I knew right from the start that there was not going to be any winning him over. There was no way he was going to believe all the little white lies that I tell 
little kids, uh, you know, all the things that we tell them like, oh, hey, we're going to go back in the room. We're going to put the pilot's mask on and blow up the balloon and we're going to get stickers and have so much fun. No, that was not going to work with Zeke because he knew who and what I was and what I was to this four-year-old veteran of the OR was the monster that was going to take him in the back, in the in the back, and um, put that smelly, claustrophobic feeling mask on him and struggle until he fell off to sleep. Uh, Zeke is um, Zeke had lost his eye to cancer about two years before I met him, and as I said, by the age of four, he was already a veteran of the OR. So like any soldier of war, he had a little touch of PTSD and lots and lots of street smarts, or in this case, OR smarts. Uh, so like I said, there was just no tricking him. So I did what we always do with the kids that are like this. We took him in the back. He's screaming all the way. And when we get into the operating room, we apply Brutane. Brutane is an anesthesia euphemism. And what that may basically means is we apply one part anesthesia and two parts brute force. So basically we have to hold this kid down and force the mask on his face until he succumbs. Um, and I've done this a number of times. It's not always as bad as with Zeke, but it can get pretty hairy at times. Some kids just accept the mask and they don't really have a problem with it. But 50% of children have severe anxiety with the mask and it makes anesthesia difficult. It makes waking up difficult. And a lot of these kids will go home and have problems at home uh, with uh, what we call maladaptive behavior changes. You know, like they will regress. They have regression, aggression, bedwetting, uh, all kinds of uh, problems for the parents for uh, at least a couple of weeks, some of them for a few months, some of them up to a year. And then you get people or kids like Zeke that develop a, you know, a phobia, uh, PTSD. And so as Zeke was falling off to sleep, he and I shared a few moments of uh, eye to eye contact and it was so intense he was just pleading with me and it just broke my heart. So at that point, I realized that I really needed to do something about this. So it was just insane the way that we were treating this young child. Um, and, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. There was not going to be a different result with Zeke. So. I went home and worked on this. And the next time I saw Zeke, we had the same uh, interaction at the beginning. We got back to the OR and he started fighting and screaming. I mean, just trying to kick out my teeth. There were four adults on him, snots coming out of his nose. I mean, he was just all out. So I pulled out a toy. I pulled out a balloon. And I filled it with gas and I walked over to Zeke. And while all of these people were trying to hold him down, you cannot believe how strong a four-year-old can be. I said to him, Zeke, 
You want to play with my balloon? And this screaming, kicking, flailing child took the balloon from my hand and knew exactly what to do with it. He put in his, put it in his mouth, took a big inhale and exhaled. And then he did it again. And by the third inhale, he was giggling because I had nitrous on the laughing gas. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is working. So then I turned on the rest of the anesthetics that actually put him to sleep. And he just kind of went to sleep. We put him on the table really quickly and finished what we were doing. And that was that. The next time I saw Zeke, it was very different. I walked into the room, I showed him the balloon and he was jumping up and down on the bed. Couldn't wait to go in the back. When we got into the back, I filled the balloon with the nitrous, handed it to him. He snatched it out of my hand, pushed me away and said, I can do it myself. And so after that, Pedia was born. Uh, I went home, talked to my husband and said, every kid needs to go to sleep as nicely as this. And so that's what I've been doing for the last three years is working on getting uh, the patent and getting Pedia through the FDA. Oh, that's a really interesting story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I, I talked with another CRNA the other day and we were talking about kind of the alternatives before your your product was coming about and essentially what you were saying it was just trying to find any way to calm these children down he was mentioning he would give his cell phone and let him go play on a game or something just anything mm -hmm. because like you said there's not too many things that can break your heart like a screaming child and yeah and and i know where you're coming from where you're saying it's amazing how some of these young children have such strength and, and yeah. even like what you said what what Zeke had to go through at that young age to still have that strength in those situations. And it's, it's crazy. And that's why your story really resonated me with, uh, with me before we chatted today. And uh, that's why we wanted to have you on the show. Cause definitely I, I love when entrepreneurs, especially in the healthcare space can come up with innovative products and services that have not just, a business aspect, but a social impact. And that, that's what I feel yours has. Uh, why, why would you say the, actually, sorry, let's, let's go, let's move on to quick, a quick rundown of you just kind of segmented into the, the patent process and FDA process. I know a lot of, of the audience would love to hear that process because you, you went through and there's some kind of muddy waters with it as far as, how how thorough it truly is uh, would love to hear some more on that oh it's it's very muddled and um i would love to uh quickly go through this uh because there's only mo so much you can say in you know a half hour segment on something like this um as far as the patent is concerned Basically, what you have to do first is protect your intellectual property. So what you do is you get a lawyer and you file a patent. And well, your lawyer files a patent because there's all this lawyer ease in there and you could never do that yourself. At least I couldn't. So you file the patent. You wait about 18 months to have it published in the patent office. And then you have what they call a patent pending. And after that, the 
patent office looks everything over and they try to see which of your claims they're going to let you keep and which ones you want to throw out. Uh, so that takes more time. So I would say from the time that you file a patent, within three to five years, you will have a full patent. And I am happy to announce that I was just granted a full patent. But I will tell you that it didn't come easily. It's not like you just pay a lawyer, wipe your hands of it, and 18 months later, get the patent pending, and then a few years later, you get the full patent. No, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, as far as, you know, my, my lawyer is brilliant, but he doesn't understand anesthesia. So there's a lot of explaining things to him. And then when the patent office comes back, there's a lot of uh, kind of discussing with them why the, patent, the old patents that they have come up with don't really apply. So there's a lot of back and forth between you, your lawyer, the patent office. And then finally, you, you know, the dust settles and you have a patent. As far as the FDA goes, um, it's, you know, it sounds like a lot of work to have a patent filed, but the FDA is a whole other beast. So I actually started a Facebook uh, page for CRNAs uh, called CRNA Inventors and Innovators to help uh, people CRNAs who are interested in going through the FDA process. There's all kinds of people there doing all kinds of things, but I pretty much focus on that. The FDA, what I started doing was, uh, well, first of all, I logged on to FDA.gov and uh, went and read all kinds of federal regulations and bureaucracy until my head was about to explode. Um, I called DICE. DICE is the Division of Industry and Consumer Education. Uh, so I want to throw out a little hi to Walter Snesco at DICE because that man spent a lot of time with me explaining and re-explaining things, which I needed because this is not my comfort zone. So Walter helped me myself to get together some, something called a, a 513G, which is just a little sneak peek for the anesthesia branch of the FDA to take a look at my, um, at my proposal. And I have to say, you know, the FDA, they're a bureaucracy, and, but they're really nothing to be afraid of. They were actually very, very, very nice to me. Now, I don't know why they were so nice to me. Maybe it's because I wasn't a huge conglomerate you know, I'm just a little girl in Fairfax, Virginia, trying to help the kids. <laughs> um, but uh, they were actually very nice to me. And so I did my 513G, and then I got this letter that said that I was going to have the opportunity to do something called a 510K. And that's basically pre-market notification. I thought it meant that I failed. You know, like, oh, they didn't like my 513G, now they're making me do this. No. Lots and lots and lots and lots of people try to do a 510K and get turned down. So it was actually a huge step and it was actually a really good thing, but I didn't understand that at the time. It was like somebody gave me a diamond and I thought it was fake. And so I, you know, like hid it in my sock drawer. But um, there's a lot of steps to getting a 510K. 510K means that you're cleared, you have your classification and now you can market and sell this, this thing. So, I had to hire many, many, many people. Um, I've had to hire all kinds of expert consultants, firms to do all of my testing, regulatory affairs, engineers, and uh, a quality manager. 
I, uh, Don Hurd and I at real time, Don Hurd at real time, if it weren't for him, I'm just not sure I could have done all this because <laughs> he just walked me through it, held my hand um, through the whole process because there were just so many things I had to get in place for the FDA. Uh, and now that we have all of that in place, I just handed everything over to my regulatory affairs consultant at uh, Ultra Life Sciences. And she she will be going to the FDA and putting it all together. I did the 513G because it was pretty straightforward. 510K, no way. I'm not touching that with anything. Uh, Chris Henza at Ultra Life Sciences, she's going to the FDA because she loves that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, um, you know, God bless her. And uh, so that's how you go from idea to a patent to the FDA. So hopefully we'll be through the FDA by the end of the year. Fingers crossed. Congratulations. That's uh, Thank you. definitely uh, after your explanation, it, it definitely seemed like it was a long process, but uh, like anything, right? Those long process, uh, when, whenever something has a long process and then you finally reach that goal of what you're doing, it just feels that much better. Yes. Interesting. It, you wonder what's funny too, is you look at a lot of these schools, I went to school for business and being mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship now and, and I, I know we went to school for different things, but they don't really teach you how to navigate this entrepreneurship journey. It's not mm-hmm. something that is learned in school. It, it really, and, and I don't necessarily know that it needs to be. I think it's something that you learn on the fly and you either learn fast or you fail. Right. And, uh, it's, but it's a lot of fun. I'm sure you can say the same thing. Going through this journey, is it's a hard work. There's a lot of different moving parts, some out of your control, some in your control. But at the end of the day, it's really fun to do something you're passionate about and provide value in some shape or form. Right. And especially for me with Pedia, I am addressing solving a 100-year-old problem. You know, as the CRNA you were talking to earlier, the the one that you mentioned, we do all kinds of things trying to help these kids. There are studies after study after study after study. You you don't need a study to know that kids don't like needles, although I'm sure that somebody was granted money to study that as well. But um, not too many people know that, that they don't like the mask either. And so there are all kinds of things out there, preoperative visits and, um, you know, pamphlets and family centered care. And they, they go, there is actually a study out there about clown doctors. Clown doctors. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, and in France, they actually have clowns try to come in the room to help uh, with the induction. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I was a kid, I was a little afraid of clowns. Yeah, they're scary. But as a nurse anesthetist, I will tell you, there is no circulating nurse on the face of, well, the United States who would let a clown into the operating room. No, that is never going to happen. And there are a lot of modalities, and we know that play is the child's best coping mechanism. And so that's the beauty and simplicity um, of the pedia is it allows the child to play. It gives him or her back their dignity. We don't have to apply brutane. We shouldn't be applying brutane because that affects these kids 
for weeks, months, maybe the rest of their life. You never know. Uh, we, we also try medications and, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to that as well. Uh, a lot of uh, anesthesia people in the United States don't like to give little kids medication before surgery just to calm them down. And there are all kinds of reasons we could go into that for that. So what we really needed was something across the board that would help, you know, the majority of kids, the majority of kids. And I really feel like the pedia can do that. And I started with, I have all kinds of, uh, uh, drawings on my, my drawing board for future pedias. Pedia stands for pediatric device of, for induction of anesthesia. And I'm starting with the balloon basically because it is simple, effective, and very, very inexpensive. And in today's world, that's like the magic triad. You have to have something simple, effective, and, and, and inexpensive because we can't be adding to healthcare costs. So, um, Anyway, I'm rambling now. No, it's very interesting. So it sounds to me like this this initial product, this isn't going to be potentially PDA's only product. You have more plans down the road. Is that fair to say for other Yes, products? sir. I do. Very cool. Very interesting. Um, and now you've gone through that process. So I'm not going to say it's going to be easier, but it definitely will help that you've already gone through that journey once when that time does come. So that's that's really cool that you already have that experience moving forward. Yes. Thank you. Yes. It, experience is the best teacher. I learned that in anesthesia and now I'm learning that as a, as an inventor and innovator. So, but I will, I will tell you, uh, I did have, hello. Yes. I did have a little bit of help, uh, you know, from some CRNA owned businesses quite a number of CRNAs out there actually who own their own businesses, manufacture their own products. And I was actually really shocked at that because uh, I didn't know uh, that CRNAs were changing the face of healthcare as well. So when I got to meet some people like David Gomez of Infinitus and Gene Snyder and, and especially Jay Tudlaska and Amy Shepard, they they developed and manufactured uh, something called a video laryngoscope. It's Copilot VL, and uh, none of those people have done uh, you know FD, the FDA route. But Jay and Amy were just instrumental in showing me you know the ropes and sometimes holding my hand. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, I just had to mention that I am not doing this alone. I do have a lot of support from uh, the other innovators and, and, and inventors uh, that are in the CRNA world. That's awesome. I, I feel like whenever there's a successful business or product or service, there's usually someone, whether it's a mentor or a close friend or just someone that you can lean on to, to learn more that is definitely vital throughout that journey. And it sounds like you have a couple people that were able to really help you and uh, progress you in the right direction. Yes, I did. Very interesting. And, and I also lean on the rest of the CRNA world, you know, uh, I'm counting. I have, I'm so blessed because I have at this point, like thousands and thousands of followers on my social media uh, sites. And I get to hear 
all kinds of stories from parents and grandparents about what their children or grandchildren have gone through. And the CRNAs, uh, they're spreading the word. I, I, I was just on a Facebook CRNA page and saw that I was mentioned, I was tagged in a thread. And so I went to it, you know, not one, not knowing what it was about. And it was a whole discussion about pediatric induction and what people were trying. And someone had mentioned me. Uh, so someone else had said, hey, you know, there's a CRNA on this site that's making this balloon. I can't remember what it's called. And someone else would jump in and say, oh, it's the pedia. And so, you know, that was really heartwarming for me to see my colleagues doing that, you know, spreading the word and uh, letting other people know about this product. And it's not just CRNAs, you know, I've, I've been approached by anesthesiologists and, uh, and, and uh, other people in the healthcare field. So I'm getting a lot of support from the healthcare field and I'm truly grateful for that. Yeah, there's a lot of cool and interesting things happening within healthcare that people don't even know that's happening yet. And, or they do, and it's just, but it's not reaching the masses. And one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to start Slice of Healthcare was because I think there's a lot of people that are healthcare professionals or non-healthcare professionals that are doing these cool things and kind of giving them a voice on this show and letting more people understand what they're working on, why it's cool, why they're passionate about it. And, and hopefully we can help progress uh, more businesses and ideas further in the healthcare community by doing these type of discussions. Yes, that's wonderful. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun, too. I, I love talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I guess to, to kind of segment to, to the closing of the show, how can the CRNA slash anesthesia community help you as you progress at this stage? Well, uh, let's see. You know, to explain that better, I'm going to tell you a little story. So when I was teaching my daughter how to cook, we were, we were making a ham dinner. And I did what I was taught to do. I, caught off, I cut off both ends of the ham and started putting it into the oven. And my daughter said, Mom, why are you doing that? And I said, well, I don't know. My, my mom always did that. And so we called my mother and I said, mom, why do we cut off both ends of the ham before we put it into the oven? And she said, hmm, I don't know. My mother always did that. And so we called Nana and asked Nana, Nana, why do we cut off both ends of the ham? And she said, oh, because when I had my first oven, the oven was too small for a big ham. So I used to have to cut off both ends. <laughs> and um, so anyway, that's a little lie. That really didn't happen to me. But it's a really good uh, explanation for uh, what I'm about to say. You know, we have always done things the same way. We like to do things the way that we were raised. So if you're cutting off both ends of the ham, that makes total sense. If you're giving anesthesia by mask, because that's how you were taught, that makes sense. And you don't really want to do things a, a different way. And so what CRNAs in the anesthesia world can do to, for me and for Pedia and mostly for the kids is to just keep an open mind. Give up the mask, you know, just 
just try it because it may be your new way of doing things. You know, as I said earlier, in the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. And if, you know, you're getting the results that, you know, children are being traumatized by the mask, whether you see it or not, you know, just because a child is compliant in the operating room doesn't mean that they are not having anxiety. And that's worth saying again, because I have run across a lot of, you know, anesthesia providers that say, that tell me, oh, my kids don't have any, you know, anxiety. They just sit there. Well, a child who's just sitting there doesn't, that doesn't mean that they're not having anxiety. And it's only when they go home and start having nightmares and wetting their bed that, you know, the parents realize that something is wrong, but they don't necessarily connect it with the fact that they had a lot of uh, anxiety when, with the mask placement. You get it the next time they come in and they see you and they react like Zeke. So I, I am doing this for Zeke and all the little Zekes out there. Um, and I would just ask that the anesthesia community just give it a shot. Just see, just see if it's something that's worth exploring. So that's it. That's my ham story. Excellent. <laughs> and, you know, we hope uh, many people within the community and outside the community uh, do do help and, and do keep an open mind. And we wish you the best of luck. Uh, so Diane, where can people learn more about you? Social media, the website, other avenues? Well, I do have a website. It's uh, pediallc.com. And pedia is, is just like you spell pediatrics. Uh, and I also am on a few social websites. The biggest one is the Facebook uh, pedia LLC site. They're all pedia LLC, Twitter slash pedia LLC, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. But um, Facebook is the one where I'm actually doing some insight marketing. See, I'm actually learning some business terms. <laughs> I'm doing some insight marketing. And basically what I do there is I try to educate uh, parents, grandparents, and even healthcare providers about the woes of uh, mask induction and what happens to a child and, uh, you know, what happens to them even after they leave you. So you can go to Facebook, LLC or Twitter, Instagram, um, or my, my website. And you can actually sign up on my website. And I promise I don't give anybody's email address away. I don't even know how to do that. And um, every once in a while, I just send out a big newsletter when something really big happens. So, and on my site, you can read about Zeke. You heard the whole story, um, but you can also read about him there. So that's it. Excellent. Well, Diane, thank you so much for coming on this episode and telling us more about Pedia and your experience and, and next steps. I, I think a lot of people will be very interested to hear your story and to hear about Zeke and the cool things that you're doing within healthcare. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me and good luck with Slice of Healthcare. I can't wait for the upcoming thank you. Thanks to everyone who tuned in to this episode of Slice of Healthcare. We're excited in the next coming weeks and ongoing after that to come up with some really cool new content, both in blog posts and in more of these episodes. 
and we're excited to have these guests come on and really have some great conversations about the interesting things happening within healthcare. Please be sure to check us out at www.sliceofhealthcare.com as well as check us out on social media. On Twitter, it's at sliceofhc and on all other channels, it's at sliceofhealthcare. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.